This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into episode number 133 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant alongside Nick Max and Nick. We are in the middle of October and a lot of exciting things to talk about. Um, some not so exciting things too as well. We'll find that out in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Um, most of it's pretty good though. Uh, what's not so good, the Minnesota Wild uh, faltering a little bit uh, to start their season. We'll talk about them in the main portion of the show as well as women's hockey who had a very interesting game in the second night against Man. Wisconsin. Uh, men's hockey as well. Uh, interesting second night for them, I suppose, as well. Uh, actually, in Wisconsin, we'll talk about both those series in the main portion of the show as well. And then the extra ice session. Nick, we're going to revisit this for the 7,432nd time. Uh, fighting in hockey. It, like, are we mm-hmm. overcomplicating this? Are we undercomplicating this? How, how do we how do we really uh, quantify this? We're going to answer all of those questions and more. Um, but first, we start, as always, with Center Ice View News and Notes in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, Noah. And, uh, well, finally some good news. From Hockey Canada, meaning everybody's gone. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I've called for this. I, I've called for uh, systemic change throughout Hockey Canada's leader- leadership. It's something I'm not the one that's the only one calling for it. It finally looks like it's happened. Uh, bringing that last week, we talked about the different uh, major sponsors that were pulling money, as well as the different subparts. Um, such as Hockey Quebec, uh, Hockey Nova Scotia withholding registration fees. So it appears that finally, um, after some persistence, this we're finally getting what we wanted. So Andrea Skinner, who was the interim board of director, has stepped down as well as essentially the entire board of directors. Um, Ex-Supreme Court justices do say that Hockey Canada's handling, they did release a report on the fund used to pay sexual assault claims, was also flawed, uh, meaning they weren't very truthful. So... Um, there's obviously more that we're going to have to follow with this, but I think for the, for the big part, uh, this is a first step. Uh, Noah, this isn't the final step because just because you put new people in there, if you still do these things the same way, it doesn't change anything. So you're kind of hoping that with a, a new leadership and new board, that there's also systemic changes coming to Hockey Canada that can help put more trust back in that organization, which is uh, a big part of the game up there north of the border. Yeah, and you wonder... Uh... 
in a weird way, you wonder if this is Hockey Canada still trying to pull something here. And when I say that, I mean it in the sense that they kept on mentioning about how, well, if our entire board steps down, what's going to happen to the organization? And you kind of wonder if this is also a part of, oh, well, you asked for it. See what happens now when we do this. Or Mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, Andrea Skinner, of course, was testifying in the last testimony, you know, a couple weeks ago. And now she's not part of that board of directors. Where does she fit in the process moving forward as far as the legal side of things, too? So um, you wonder if she was there. So she'll still have to continue to testify. Right. Right. You just, you know, it's definitely a welcome change. But you again, you almost wonder if there's an ulterior motive there where Hockey Canada wants to say, well, look at the chaos you've created now because you've come after us, that sort of thing. And everybody else, you and me included, would say, no, you're stepping down because you failed to do your job. And, you know, we need this change. So um, I think long term, like you mentioned, definitely a welcome change, but going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We're still. Uh, in the very early stages of what is a very long and very complicated process, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of complicated processes, uh, Ian Cole, uh, we talked about in a, an allegation of his last week. Well, it, it was cleared, right? Um, so for those who don't know how this works, right, or who didn't hear the news, there was a, a Twitter account that posted a very lengthy, uh, very damning allegation of Ian Cole um, and basically accusing him of grooming. Um, and then also having uh, inappropriate sexual contact slash relationship with uh, this person. Well, the league in its investigation said it was unable to contact uh, the anonymous source of that October 7th social media post um, that was also conducted by security legal department. So mind you, there was a, a lot of attempts made to try to reach out to this person. Um, among the allegations posted, again, we talked about um, was there was also sex multiple times when she was a minor. Uh, before he had reached uh, the NHL level. Um, and then in the post, the person accused of emotional and sexual abuse, basically, I, I think the the indication or the, the thought was uh, just basically trying to keep quiet about it. Um, the NHL also said that the investigation included two separate interviews with Cole, as well as interviews with NHL club personnel and other individuals with potentially relevant information. It also added that the detailed review of online and social media, public data and court records, as well as law enforcement checks. So this is um, as far as we know, this is done Um, again. Ian Cole uh, just signed a one year deal, three million dollar contract in July with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So as far as we know, this thing is over. Yeah, kind of weird, you know, 33 years old, and they said it even extended to when he was in the NHL, and there were allegations that former teammates would have known about this Mm -hmm. um, had it occurred and that he was even bragging about it had it occurred. Again, it sounds like they weren't able to verify any of that information or find any uh, evidence Mm -hmm. of that doesn't mean he did or didn't do it. just means they couldn't find anything, unfortunately. Um, The one thing that is curious to me is that um, you know, and we've talked about this before, how if there are victims of things like this, we do encourage them to come forward and you hope that they're protected. Um, you know, and whoever this was, was brave enough to post that on social media. It is unfortunate that if these things did occur, she mm-hmm. wasn't able to follow up with the National Hockey League. That's one piece to me that's a little bit interesting. Um, and part of that, you wonder, yep. you wonder if maybe she posted it and then totally deleted social media and then was never actually available for a follow-up. But even then you would think Twitter might have a 
way of There'd helping that. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for from what I understand too yeah. was that 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 Twitter account was only a month old, and so I know that there yeah. was conversation as well on social media about you know was this an actual legitimate complaint, and right. at the end of it. We just don't know, right? Is it certainly possible that this was a false statement? Sure. Yeah. Um, but we just simply can't 100% say yes or no, right? Um, and you know, to your, go well, ahead. Well, the, the bigger piece of this too, you know, you're Ian Cole. You're in the back half of your career, Stanley Cup champion over here with Pittsburgh uh, in the mm-hmm. mid-2010s. And, uh, you know, you have these allegations come out. How, how do you move forward? I mean, credit the Tampa Bay Lightning, credit the NHL, you know, doing the due diligence. And I know some people said, well, it wasn't due diligence enough. It's like, well, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to right. find evidence that isn't there? Like, um, at, how that works. Yeah, at least yeah. <clears throat> at least in this current context. But what an awkward little time. I mean, he was suspended for like four days from the team. Now he's coming mm-hmm. back to practice. They're starting the regular season, had a couple games already here. Um like that's kind of an uncomfortable situation for everybody involved. I would think down there in uh, Florida. Well, it's uncomfortable in the sense that as you know, I previously stated, if this indeed was a, a kind of a hit job, right. Um, you know, this is where he actually has some rights to in the situation. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, do I'm not going to comment or speculate whether it is or not. I don't think that's our position to do so. Um, but let's just say that there are consequences out there for those who want to take advantage of uh, a system that is certainly flawed, that has yeah. not necessarily been favorable to victims uh, of sexual abuse, sexual assault, right? And you you certainly hope that, you know, and I guess this is the question, Noah, too, uh, you know, it's done for now, but who's to say that right in a week or two or a month or <laughs> shall we say even longer than that, that this resurfaces again and we're back at this conversation. We just simply don't know. Um, Now, would the NHL revisit that? I would think they would. Um, If, you know, that person credibly said that this was me back in the, you know, when I posted this October 7th. um, So we'll see. Um, It's still, it's kind of a done deal at the moment, unless uh, this victim, if indeed these allegations does come forward to the right people. Well, you said, uh, you know, you would think the NHL would reopen this, uh, you know, clarification. We've talked about this with Hockey Canada. We've talked about this with Kyle Beach. You hope they would. Um, right. Especially and it, after those incidents. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds like um, people were also speculating that maybe the only the reason is that the, uh, the um, alleged victim would maybe move towards closer to the law enforcement side of things. I know the NHL had some investigation there, but they thought that m- that might be a different route because they felt that more would maybe get done with that. I have no idea, but we'll keep an eye on it. Very interesting. Right now, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning sorting out their own uh, things, none of which <laughs> involve right. Ian Cole at this particular point. So, well, and then of course, right, if the if they do get legal involved, guess who's involved automatically, and that's the league again, right? right. So it's either way. Um, NHL would be part of that process, no matter what. Um, so the regular season has started, mind you. This uh, this whole sort of incident happened prior to the start of the season. Um, so what happens, Noah, during uh, the last week of the season? We just get a bunch of player movements, right? <laughs> um, so uh, Chuck Fletcher doing Chuck Fletcher things, signing someone to a max extension, meaning eight years, fifty million dollars for Travis Sanheim. Yeah, I, you, yeah, you heard that right. Eight eight years, fifty million. Okay, sure. Uh, I actually <laughs> like it, to be honest with you. I don't mind it. Um, 
but it, it's 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 the Chuck Fletcher way of doing things. It's either you give them one years or you get them eight. There's yeah. just no in between with them. Um, and that's going to make some, I think, a mess. Because now what they signed, was it Rist, how, was it Ristolainen to eight years? Didn't he get a yeah. max extension? Well, well, again, and obviously I have it in the notes here, but I mean, Sanheim's 26, mm-hmm. $4.67 million this season. And then it kicks into, I think it's 6.25 each year for the next eight years. I mean, he had 31 points in 80 games as a D-man in a, on a very crappy hockey team last year. Yes. So if you keep that production up, I think that it's actually a pretty good price point. Let's not forget this. That is... Uh, that is $250,000 more or something like that than Matt Dumba makes annually mm-hmm. right now. So put that in perspective. Um, if he plays like he did last year and the Flyers don't totally suck, which is debatable at best this year, right. uh, not terrible, I don't think. No, not terrible. But uh, let's just say that's one of many other moves that we'll be seeing Philadelphia make over the course yeah. of the next probably 12 months. Um, one so, of uh, which might be Chuck Fletcher. Who's to say one who knows? Uh, so moving forward, we'll just quickly go through these, uh, Matias Samuelson with the Buffalo Sabres. Speaking of max extensions, so only a seven year, $30 million extension, only seven, right? Uh, <laughs> 10 points in 42 games, uh, 22 year old defenseman, uh, one year left on his entry level contract. So he's able, uh, able to impress, uh, Kevin Adams up there in, uh, in Buffalo and get himself a nice extension. Um, also giving uh, head coach Don Granado um, a multi-year extension, um, which I think is the right call. I think he does have the respect of the team. And, you know, yeah. there's certainly still some hills to climb with Buffalo, but they're certainly trending upward. And uh, I, I think they finally have a GM and coach tandem that is actually making some improvements for right. uh, a franchise that I think we all miss being the playoffs. I think that they should be They're They're a great hockey town. Um, if you actually look at the broadcast ratings, even though they've been out of the loop for so long as a yeah. local team, their, their market's still like top five, if not top three, every single they cup playoff run, they're just insane about their hockey. So, um, also finishing off the Buffalo Sabres news, uh, 34 year old and also Minnesota native Kyle Ocposo, uh, named captain, uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Zemgis, uh, Gergensen's as the assistant caption, um, Ocposo 45 points in 74 games last season. So, and he's. He's always been the leader kind of type, too, for those who know him. So I think this yeah. is the, the right call. Um, let's quickly go popcorn here. So Nicholas Hag finally with Vegas getting a deal done. Three-year bridge extension, $6.5 million um, per season on his deal. Um, he was an RFA. Um, he did have, essentially was it December 15th yeah. to sign he, in 23. He, sorry, he what? will be an RFA after this deal is done. Uh, got it. Still, yep. Still, he, yep. obviously, he still is an RFA now, but <laughs> yes. Um, and he was uh, mostly in the LTIR last year, had some injury bugs. Yep. But uh, I think before last season there, you know, he was uh, very good on the blue on the blue line. Uh, Derek Stepan, again, another uh, Hastings, Minnesota native uh, one year with the, the Canes, uh, $750,000. Uh, he's 32. Uh, he's getting up there. Um was able to win this up of a PTO uh, 19 points in 58 games played last season. Um, so, you know, there's that. Isn't, uh, it, isn't it weird to see some of these players that have really not declined, but just, I mean, Derek Stepan five years ago was a big name in the NHL, big name, big name. And on a big team with the New York Rangers. Yeah. Where if you go back to that squad, uh, let's, let's look at some names that have not been there. How about Henrik Lundqvist, Carl Haglin? Yeah. Just to name a couple. I mean, uh, well, biggest when, goal, Dan Boyle would have been on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest goal he ever scored was yeah, game overtime. seven overtime against Washington. And, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. Then he bounced, I believe, Arizona for a little bit. And then, of yep. course, now he's with Carolina. Just interesting because he used to be obviously wasn't a majorly productive player, but he was a, a, a middle six centerman that you could pretty much just let run all year long and mm-hmm. um, was a top line guy for probably a year or two, at least in New York. So, yeah, biggest thing that has regressed with him is if anything it's been just as skating everything yeah. else is still really good uh saw him with the beauty league multiple times he still looked just fine but uh great congratulations to him during that contract right um and then one of the surprises um not getting an extension from his home team meaning the anaheim ducks we're talking Sonny milano was able to get a one-year deal with the washington capitals again league minimum seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. he's 26 He's older than I thought he was. Um, 34 points in 66 games. Again, the big thing with Sonny, just the consistency factor. Um, yeah. The biggest and most you know, highlight reel goal we've probably seen in the NHL in, dare I say, five, six years with him and Zegris up there in Buffalo. Maybe 20. Um, maybe 20. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just unbelievable uh, type play. Uh, good to see him at least get a chance um, yeah. uh, with, the, with the team. And then just a side note, uh, because we talked about it before, the number one overall pick, um, Slavkovsky uh, from Montreal, does make the opening night roster when, uh, let's just say there was some message uh, sending being done by the uh, the general management there for Montreal. He kind of started a little bit slow, especially in the preseason, um, said they needed more from him. And uh, shall we say he responded? Yeah, it certainly did. In fact, I wonder, I, I want to see if they, uh, if he has any points here. Of course, 2004 product, like you mentioned, uh, 6'3", or 2'38", just crazy. He's a big boy. He's a big um, boy. Uh, three games for him so far. He doesn't have a point. He's minus one uh, at the time of recording. So, um it's an adjustment, right? Yeah, some growing pains. You know, they have nine games essentially to play him before they could send him, you Correct. know, somewhere else too. So yep. uh, something something to keep an eye on as well. Sonny Milano, I like that low risk, high reward for the Capitals. Um, pretty much a half a point per game player last year. So uh pretty yeah. good season for him, regardless. Uh the only trade to note, a uh, very quick one here. Dmitry Samarikov is headed to St. Louis for Clem Costin, who's going to Edmonton. Samarikov was a third round pick in 2017, only has played one NHL game as a defenseman. And then Costin, probably the better pickup. Um, a first rounder in 2017, had nine points in 40 games played in the National Hockey League. Uh professional trout offers and waivers anton strawman the veteran of 36 years of age one year one million dollars in his 16th nhl season will join the boston bruins had 23 points in 74 games with arizona last year so we'll see how he's able to adjust with some depth uh derek brassard returning to the senators on a one-year seven hundred fifty thousand dollar deal made camp out of his professional tryout offer he's 35 had 19 points in 46 games split with philadelphia and edmonton last season Zach Aston Reese, guy that you had mentioned, you like this mm-hmm. one. Uh, the Leafs liked it too. One year, eight hundred forty thousand dollars, sixty-six points over two hundred thirty NHL games. He's twenty-eight years of age, also a little bit older than I realized. Um, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of have this idea that he's uh, he's Captain Clutch. Yeah, um, you know the the points in the games played. I don't think jumps out at people, but if you really watch his time with Pittsburgh. Um, he was a playoff performer, um, very clutch in those situations. So he could be, dare I say. That Leafs key to get out of the first round, we'll see, but probably not because I said it out loud. But, you know, <laughs> do the Leafs, uh, if there is a key for that, I don't know. It's been hidden away for some time. Uh, Arizona adds Yusuf Valamaki on the back end and goaltender Connor Ingram from that Nashville was huge. on waivers. I, I like this uh, from yes. Arizona. This is uh, exactly what you do when you're a low budget team and you're looking for some quick pickups. Uh, 16 points in 82 games over three seasons for Valamaki. He's basically your prototypical defensive defenseman. Uh, first pass, eat pucks. Uh, 
basically. And then Connor Ingram, of course, uh, was big on the Canada World Junior stage for a while uh, and, there a couple years ago. And, and NHL stage. Huge yeah. uh, in keeping Nashville from getting blown their doors out in four games uh, in yeah. the Stanley Cup playoffs well, last year. Well, they still kind of did. but <laughs> They still did. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, he, he, he had a hell of an effort in those four games. Uh, good young goalie, and as you mentioned, for a low-budget team. How about a low-budget team taking advantage of more than 60% of the teams that are, are teams that are cap strapped. Yeah. Um, Connor Ingram, again, that Nashville wanted him there. Uh, this is the, uh, the risk, right. Of the waiver wire is, you know, you have to make certain decisions and when uh, players have to go through the waiver wire, this is what can happen. You can lose good young talent like Connor Ingram. Um, and he'll likely, like you mentioned, he'll be the backup in Arizona when there really wasn't a clear backup for the Coyotes entering the season. Yeah, so. they've got they've got him and two other guys that are definitely going to compete for that spot. One thing's for mm-hmm. sure, he'll love the facilities. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of which, actually looks really good. A sold out crowd there yeah. for ASU's game. That was actually really cool to see. Yeah, um, ASU will actually be uh, part of our main show too. A couple of games to look mm-hmm. forward to as we move through. Uh, three injuries here to of note already uh, to start off the NHL regular season. Mike Matheson, defenseman in Montreal. Eight weeks he'll be messing Yikes. with an abdominal strain that's tough mm-hmm. for them. Matt Murray in Toronto, keep an eye on this one. <laughs> Four weeks with an adductor injury. For those who don't know what an adductor it is, is, is David Ayers still under contract? Yeah. Well, for those who don't know that an adductor injury is basically it's not a groin injury, it's the legs right be- like the muscles right below it on the inside of your thighs yeah. that uh help there. So, and then Patrick Line in Columbus, uh, three to four weeks with an elbow sprain. Welcome into episode number 133. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you in on the show as always. Uh, recording on Sunday this week will probably be, likely be the same next week. And why I say probably, it will actually be the same next week because uh, you're coming up to America's Wasteland, actually. <laughs> I am. Uh, and actually, uh, very excited. I called, uh, called, I've been calling some games here recently pretty consistently, which. Um, um i I really like uh it's it's been great as i still try to figure out some more permanent solutions to uh, the broadcast career um and uh i suppose noah is now the time to to say what the hell i'm doing yeah why not yeah why not go ahead i'm ready yeah i'll let you have the honors oh what am i saying what part am i saying are we talking about art or this weekend yeah yeah, well, how about this? Uh, the Minot Minotaurals actually played the number one North Iowa Bulls uh, this weekend and came out with a four to nothing win and then a four to three victory last night, mm-hmm. which was interesting because um, North Iowa scored to make it uh, three to two with 58 seconds left. Then Minot scored an empty netter and then North Iowa scored again. And the final of that game was four to three in the last minute. So actually start telling native Tory Lund with a game winner technically on that one. So uh, on an empty netter, you don't see that very often. No. Uh, so North Iowa is only two points ahead of the Minotauro. So uh, top two teams in the, in the central now doing battle. Uh, and it's crazy actually between first place and fifth place. Uh, they're only separated by five points. So, and you get two points for a win. So it's a, probably the most tightly contested division in the null. And uh, yeah, the number four Aberdeen wings who are basically a win behind the Minotauros will come to town and Nick and I'll be on the call. So should be pretty interesting for those who are curious what we would sound like together. We should have a Facebook stream up. I'm working on it this week mm-hmm. to make sure everything is there, but um, I will definitely 
probably post it or retweet it. We'll definitely have some sort of information for those who have hockey TV. It's definitely available for you. That's no question for sure. Um, Mixler is definitely a safe bet or the Minotauros app um, is another spot. It's free. So even if you don't follow the Nolan Taros hockey, you can still listen to us for that game and uh, then delete the app after you listen to us for 10 minutes. I don't know um, <laughs> if you make it that long. <laughs> yeah. So it should be pretty exciting. And the reason I say that we're definitely, um, going to be recording on Sunday is because you're still going to be here. So we're definitely mm-hmm. going to make that happen with a little bit of a uh, live ish show or show where we're together, whatever you would call it. I don't know what that's called. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> anything else you wanted to add about that? No, I'm very excited for the opportunity. <laughs> um, obviously uh, is, you know, it's trying to trying to navigate. I think that the job world has been, uh, has been challenging. Um, and again, yeah. what makes it challenging, particularly for me is just in the, I'm in a unique situation, of course. Um, and so yeah, trying to find that right balance of opportunity, but also making sure there is security involved, especially in the financial aspect of it. Uh, you know, turn 36 on Sunday for those who didn't uh, see that last week. Uh, it's, it sucks. I'll put it to you that way. Listen, if you want to make excuses for the fact that you don't know how to read, and you want to pin it on your age, that's fine. I don't, I mean, I got something at least now. So <laughs> yeah. How about uh, speaking of somebody also uh, things to pay attention to Nick changed his Twitter handle unbeknownst to me, mind you. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I posted Nick, it on Twitter. Yeah. Nick Maxson, uh, PXP play by play for those who don't know what that stands for. Um, and now Noah has to do some editing <laughs> on the okay. websites and such, but it's fine. Uh, with that being said, I, uh, editing uh as we go into some non-conference games couple of conference games a handful as we anticipate next week we'll start mm-hmm. with men's hockey uh yes uh, again we're kind of flushing out the order of how this is going to go i did break the ncaa non-nchc games down by conference basically it will become much clearer once we get out of this non-conference brouhaha that's going on so it's again it's still kind of a, a cluster a little bit unfortunately but mm-hmm. trying to make sense of it as best as we can uh, in the Big Ten, uh, three three notable matchups uh, this past weekend. Michigan uh, beat BU nine to two down. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so nine to two. Uh, game two is actually today at four o'clock, so we won't have the result for that one. Same with Notre Dame; their game is also at the same time. They did have a three to one victory versus Northern Michigan, so that's one to definitely keep an eye on. Um, Northern Michigan, of course. Uh, had a kind of a rocky start to the season, but I think as a program as a whole. With, of course, former Gopher Grant Patonley up there, I think they're definitely making strides and have for the last couple of years. Then Ohio State, uh uh-oh. They did win one to nothing in the shootout on Friday, but then Mm -hmm. lost six to one to Connecticut yesterday. Um, Oh, boy. You do wonder, uh, is Connecticut just that decent, or did Ohio State just struggle that bad, or combination of the two? But that's uh, well, if you're go for football fans, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I mean, this is really interesting too, because you know, you think about how tightly contested the second night was against Ohio State for Wisconsin, and then you look at the St. Cloud series that they just had against Wisconsin, things get really interesting really quickly, yes. Uh, CCHA 2.0. Uh, the only notable one here, the U.S. under 18 team on Friday did beat St. Thomas uh, 5 to 2 in that victory. It's actually been pretty par to the scores that have been posted across. They played a yeah. Michigan Tech, Notre Dame, a couple teams like that. So that, they, that national development team is good this yeah, year. Yeah, really, really good. good. So um, it's, I would say for St. Thomas fans, yeah, on paper, maybe doesn't look great, but also know it's an exhibition game and also know that that team is good. 
Yeah. Just, just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Big 10 and Hockey East matching up Michigan State, a split four to three uh, loss and then three to two win versus UMass Lowell. And then uh, Atlantic Hockey. This one is key for a couple of reasons, I think. Uh, AIC, the sweep, six to three and five to two versus Niagara. Now, let's yep. not forget Niagara, two four to three victories against Omaha last week. Yes. That do count for the pairwise. So, That'll definitely boost AIC yes, beating a team like Niagara, and, who of and course it hurts Omaha too. So yeah, certainly. And Niagara is now in the middle of the pack of that too. The other games of note: uh, the Independence uh, Lindenwood matching up a seven to six victory in an absolute shootout. Burner. Yeah. yeah, and then a five to three loss versus Air Force. That game that Lindenwood won, they scored four straight to come back in that hockey game and win that. Unreal! Game. It's awesome. Yeah. This Lindenwood team is decent, Nick. We they actually are very it, but... decent. Yeah, um, you know, it, contrary to maybe some, you know, St. Thomas, and this is not a slight on them because their biggest issue was scoring goals. Now, granted, you can have a conversation about you know your your opponents, but you still have to go out there and, and make it happen. Air Force, Air Force isn't a slouch. They certainly aren't maybe top twenty ish ish yet. Um, yeah. but you, you know, again, for a first year team to be able to put some numbers up and granted, they gave the golfers a run in game number two. Right. So, yeah. um, they're, they're for a first year team. They're not that half bad. And, uh, you know, if you're talking about a statement first year and again, the record may not necessarily indicate the whole story. I think they've, they've made a, a case for some recruits for next year, for sure that they're already at a decently competitive level and, uh, they just need a few more and maybe make a step up. Yeah, certainly. If you're wondering, well, hey, wait a minute. You just mentioned those leagues and some of those teams played NCHC teams. Well, they're in the NCHC section, so you're going to have to wait. Uh, what's, on, <laughs> what's on tap uh, for the non-conference, uh, non-NCHC schedule? Uh, in the Big Ten, the only notable one coming up next week, Penn State does play St. Thomas. So Penn State, a little bit more of a down year for them, but they do have St. Mm-hmm. Thomas. So it should be actually a pretty decent little matchup, I think. Uh CCHA Bemidji State was off this weekend. They're back in action against Michigan Tech, who is kind of a middle-of-the-pack team there as well, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, Hockey East, Connecticut versus BU. The reason I mentioned that, BU, of course, has Michigan again today. And then Connecticut, well, I guess we're going to kind of get a feeler maybe for how good this Connecticut team might be, interestingly enough. Uh, And then Atlantic Hockey, uh, two teams that we touched on that are having decent starts of the year, Uh, AIC uh, versus Lindenwood next weekend. So that will be an interesting one, too. I think I have to pay attention to see how Lindenwood handles that test. And if AIC can continue their momentum to start the season, Huskies fans would love that. Surely um, <laughs> moving over to NCHC action, uh, recapping this past weekend, Colorado college and St. Lawrence, Nick St. Lawrence, a five to one and four to one victory against the Tigers. Yep. Again, this goes back to, uh, let's not forget this two years ago in change. St. Lawrence didn't make the national tournament. Couldn't play because of they COVID did. protocol the question is, is St. Lawrence actually decent this year or did Colorado college drop an egg from what it seems like on Twitter, at least I, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it seems like CC didn't play the way that they were looking for. It's been a long time since they've been to St. Lawrence. In fact, I don't Mm -hmm. remember if they have been, uh, it, if it was, it was long ago, like decades ago. Um, so they did take the, the team trip out there, of course, on the road, had some team bonding stuff. You wonder if they maybe weren't quite ready to go. Um, especially being say, on the road. Right? Um, but this could be tough for a CC team that, again, we, we're really high on. And, you know, the, the one thing you can look at it is from what we've seen um, previously to this, you know, obviously we'll have to wait for next week and to really get us a gauge. But to me, I'm going to call it just an early bump. 
you know, it's an early bump in the road. Um, again, going out to St. Lawrence to travel, uh, like you said, you kind of wonder if it just was one of those weekends where you just couldn't get things going. Yeah. Um, Hurts so to drop we'll them see. both. <clears throat> you you would have liked at least a split. At there. least a split. So yeah. uh, with Chris Mayot, he'll, he'll review tape. We'll, he'll break it down, and I'm sure they'll be uh, ready for their next week's matchup. I'm not too concerned. Um, we'll discuss why one weekend – Maybe not so bad, but maybe for other teams, you know, trends early could be slightly concerning. I'm not sure if I'm that concerned with them just yet. Yeah, not really. Although, uh, again, uh, Denver at UMass this past weekend, UMass coming away with the sweep, mm-hmm. four to two and three to nothing. Again, we talked about Denver versus North Dakota, who we thought was going to sit atop the NCHC. North Dakota had their own little struggles this weekend Stay as dead. well, too. But uh, this Denver team, I don't know. If that's surprising, I think UMass is going to be all right this year. Um, they are. I am yeah. more surprised they got blanked in night number two. That's very uncharacteristic of DU in general. In fact, I wonder yes. the, the last time, unless they got blanked in the NCAC playoffs last year, the last time that they have been. They did get blanked um, because that was uh, Duluth. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, it doesn't happen often. The only time it definitely no. happened last year, for sure. I would. Yeah. And to be fair, when in that game, Denver let's just say that that game was a throwaway game for them. It was a throwaway game and you you could see the way they were playing that their eyes were on a different prize and not necessarily the one in St. Paul. We'll put it to you that way. Yeah, definitely interesting. Also, you know, that's an interesting point um, that we've talked about a little bit is, you know, and obviously we had, of course, one of the best games we've ever seen a couple of years ago, back in 2019 Duluth versus St. Cloud, obviously uh, in the frozen faceoff championship. The question is this though, um, and obviously the purpose of the tournament is so like a team, you know, like let's say last year, if Miami would have went on a run and been able to push their way into that game, it would have given auto them bid. an auto yeah. bid potentially. Um, I mean, how do you approach that as a team who knows they're going to make the tournament? It's, it's almost like you're trying to basically not get hurt. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> you know, and, and, and honestly, it's when you're in Denver's position, right. And you have aspirations for a national, you know, title contender, which they did. Right. Right. Um, they will never. And this is the part that people have to understand. They're, you're never going to hear this from the team or the coach. They're, they're going to, they're going to play face, right. They're going to say, Oh, we just didn't play our game. But if you actually look closely, right. And I was talking with some other folks in the press box, um, Denver, never really had the same four check. You could tell that defensively they weren't, shall we say hard on the walls. It was very much like chip the puck out off the glass. And out. it was the, the, it was the way to say it without saying it, that this game means nothing to us. And we really are just trying to avoid injury. Yeah. Splash, you know, the real games matter next week. It kind of reminds me of that scene in The Incredibles, which, mind you, is still one of the best movies ever made. Um, But at the end, when Dash is running and his parents are like, you know, keep it close. Go for second. Go for second. You know, and like, <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, interesting the way that that works out. But, you know, a little caveat there, Um, you know, as you look forward to the NCHC tournament, although I think. The NCHC is much like the Central Division and the NHL this season. It's going to be hotly contested all the way yes, through. So mm-hmm. um, next team on the docket, Omaha, looking for some vindication here. Got a little bit of it this past weekend. Uh, Lake Superior State, they were up at LSSU. Uh, they did get the 3-1 to victory on Friday and then a 4-4 to overtime tie. No shootout there on Saturday. So uh, 
all right for the Mavs. Again, this is a team that I think is just really struggling for any sort of traction. They they've got uh, they've got the warm weather slicks out in in the North Dakota Minnesota winters right now. I think yes, they do. Um, and again, you know, it's it's still early. That's the thing. And there's a lot of what when we previewed Omaha, right? One of the biggest concerns we had it was upfront their offense well they scored seven goals this weekend so now it's going to be more so do those young forwards again they're a younger group how are they defensively um you know especially in their own zone i think that's going to be probably the biggest thing we'll have to keep an eye on is how do they keep the puck out of their net if uh, there was again that early indication uh yeah so, yeah yeah uh, have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Uh, Western Michigan uh, traveling to Bowling Green. Made no mistake on this one. Mm-hmm. Four to no. one victory for them and eight to two victory on Saturday. Uh, yeah, there's uh, sorry. It's actually, it was actually a Thursday, Friday matchup um, this mm-hmm. week. So that's where it was um, at one point. Uh, Western Michigan had actually scored more goals than the Duluth Bulldogs had shots in their hockey game on Friday night. So uh, keep that in mind. And Duluth yep. was at the end of period number two. Um, North Dakota, uh, Quinnipiac, UND, a six to five shootout victory for them on that opening night. Uh, Quinnipiac Coming back from three down to to boot on Friday yeah. as well. And Quinnipiac, six to two victory for them on Saturday. So uh, a bit of a swing there. We've seen this between North Dakota and Quinnipiac in years past where Quinnipiac yep. really gives them a run for their money. They really Again, do. Uh, feel free to touch on Western Michigan. I feel like that one was pretty cut and dry. But North Dakota, yeah. um, this was their first real test, I would say, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, par for the course-ish. That Saturday night score isn't the best. but No, but I think, you know, you talk about a response, right? Because that's, that's one thing with Barry, uh, uh, with Brad Barry is, you know, especially the young group, when you're down three, you're able to battle back and at least get that tie um, technically. Uh you know, that that was huge. Right. So there's there's some teaching moments there for sure um, that, you know, going into the shootout, winning there. Fine. It's technically a tie. Yep. Um, but again, defensively, you know, now with, uh, out, you know, no Jake Sanderson, they still have a good decor, but still it's not the same as we've seen in years past. And you, and you kind of wonder, too, you know, especially on the on the second uh, uh, night of these weekend series, you'll see teams make some adjustments and maybe try to attack or decor a little bit differently. Uh, and as you mentioned, Quinnipiac has always been a good, even test for North Dakota over the years, and this one was really no different. Yeah, certainly. Uh, great game plan by Barry Trotz, as one would say. Um, Shut up. <laughs> um, second to last, um, let's talk about veteran coaches of the game here. Uh, Minnesota State Mankato uh, versus Duluth. First night. The Mavericks mm. absolutely dominated. Like, them. Cannot oh, stress that enough. Shots at one point were 26 to three the in the middle eight. of that hockey mm-hmm. game. Uh, six to nothing victory for the Mavs on Friday and then eking out a two to one victory, um, I believe, in Duluth on Saturday night last night. So I uh, no, no, should have so- been both and shouldn't they have been both in Mankato? Maybe they. I feel like it was a home and home. I could be wrong. Let me look. I here. think it was in Mankato for both nights. But there is, uh, there's no surprise. Let me pull it up right here since we have it. It was in Mankato. You are right. Sorry. Um, It'd be a but, really tough home and home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't be totally unsurprising. It um, wouldn't be. But uh, no surprise, by the way, that the Bulldogs were able to respond at least a little bit on Saturday. They are kind of mm-hmm. riddled with injuries a little bit, especially they early. And um, Steve's, their good freshman, was out. Yeah. Um, those, I think that hurts. Uh, some of their big contributors offensively were hurt. And then still, a, a, it's still a team that 
is still trying to find themselves a little bit. Again, this is a little bit different makeup for Scott Sandlin that we've seen in years past. And uh, also, I think Mankato was out there to uh, to prove itself a little bit, too. Yeah. And I think it was kind of a perfect storm for both teams this past weekend. Yeah, have to keep an eye on that one. Obviously, uh, we'll preview their matchup uh, against a team that St. Cloud was familiar with. Uh, St. Cloud playing Wisconsin this past weekend, 5-1 to one victory in night number one. 2-1, to one, uh, pretty interesting little finish there last night yes. uh, for the Huskies. Um, let's kind of recap this, this a little bit. Uh, certainly, I thought in night number one, uh, you know, St. Cloud was able to pull away in period number two. Uh, straight, yeah. A couple of really timely goals. Uh, second night made things a little bit more interesting, and I talked about it on MNCAA. I thought at least one night Wisconsin was going to have themselves a bit of a night and give the Huskies a bit of a scare. A uh, couple of guys that really stood out, um, obviously Adam Ingram and his play there. Yeah. Um, I thought Grant Ashawn is someone who, good. who, obviously he scored on Friday, but I think is someone who kind of flew under our radar a little bit, at least to start the season. And then as a couple of games have gone along, has really kind of earned his spot, at least for now. I. Uh, the two transfers, I think, are the two that really Anhorn, stand out. Yes. Yeah, Dylan Anhorn again and Grant Crookshank, man. And I, again, we talked about how much we needed Grant Crookshank to return to his former self in the NCHG. I hope we're starting to see the the, the budding of that. Um, and then Dylan Anhorn, man, is he the most underrated pickup that Brett Larson's had in the transfer portal? And that's. And, and I you and might I, have both, honestly, with and, Crookshank and Anhorn. Yeah, and I tweeted that, and and that carries more weight than me just saying it because obviously he had a really nice goal um, the other night. But I say that because don't forget guys that that he he's brought in before. Of course, Seamus Donahue coming in, uh, Jared Cockrell, who was absolutely perfect um, integral for perfect, that yes. fourth line in that championship run a couple of years ago. Uh, so, but I think with Dylan Anhorn. Nobody really expected this, or maybe you just didn't really have a gauge on how good, you know, union would have been comparatively, but boy, he's looked really good. We said this in the preview and I told you how St. Cloud in my belief was looking for more offense from the blue line. Um, you know, you, you can't replace Nick Perbex, but he was a different style of offense in the blue line. I think Dylan Anhorn's a little bit more of a scoring threat. Uh, Perbex was definitely more of a playmaker, good setup guy. Um, you know, could be involved in the rush. And again, it's a little a, like more of a Jack of Sean, uh, maybe, maybe old Jimmy Schultz. He's got a little bit more of that uh, scoring touch to his game. Right. And then a couple uh, of decent players there, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Very good. A <laughs> couple of decent players. Um, and, and again, you know, with, with the transfer portal, you know, part of it is, yeah, we didn't really have a gauge in Anhorn, but again, with any time you bring in a missing piece to the puzzle, it's how well does it fit, right? And we, I use that same analogy in talking about Grant Crookshank, which is, you know, everybody kind of lauded him on his last season. I said, you know what? I just don't think the fit was there for him. And now coming back into St. Cloud, which had it, their eyes on him also before he went to the Gophers, uh, it just seems to be a seamless fit into the style and the systems that he's in. And yeah. Yeah, that's all you can hope for is just maximizing the talent uh, with how you play the game. And so mm -hmm. it's not it's not luck. No, as we both know this, um, but you do you can say that this is an early indication that these have uh, been really good seamless fits for both of these players into this squad. Yeah, a couple of couple of teams the Huskies have played that are maybe going to struggle a little bit more this year. But nonetheless, sure. four victories for St. Cloud again. I mean, and the thing with Crookshank, why I had him 
below Anhorn and the transfer portal success rate for Brett Larson is that we know what Grant Kirkshank can do. We've seen it, you know, when he was at mm-hmm. Colorado College. So I think just the hope that he would return to form and boy, has he. Another thing that's been impressive for St. Cloud, their play on special teams, especially on the penalty kill, their yes. ability to create opportunities, create shorthanded chances. Um, that's been mighty impressive to me, at least through the first four games. Obviously, productive spots in situations around the front of the net, neck grease pangles. Redirect plays, second and third chance opportunities. Uh, another play that another player that I thought looked really good this weekend, Zach Okabe. Once again, a yes. couple of really hard plays towards the net. I uh, was unable to be rewarded heavily for it, but thought had a pretty He's good weekend overall. That's the big thing. He's generating those chances. Sometimes you don't get the scoreboard, um, you know, whether it's a goal or an assist, but you do generate that chance just by again the way he he plays. Again, we t- we call them a buzzsaw. We mean that. And sometimes as a buzzsaw, you do a lot of the work, but you don't really get any of the recognition. And for Okabe, he kind of got that a little bit this last weekend but i guess here on the podcast he's get also he gets some more yeah. than more than his fair recognition from us because we we get it we get yeah it another right guy there. that probably flew under the radar especially in the second night was kyler kuka, kuka yeah yes. it was part of part of both uh plays including the game winner adam ingram uh contributing on that game winning goal against wisconsin uh in night number two so dylan anhorn shocker picks up an assist in night number two uh vietti metnin and grant crookshank others with points in that game uh moving backwards on the calendar we're going to go to friday's contest here a little bit more wide open as far as scoring was concerned um and of course they don't have the box score posted so let's <laughs> back up i, I know meyer got one I yeah and anhorn had probably one of the and, best shots of the game yeah. so i mean Grant uh, uh, didn't uh, Grant Ashan also get his first yep, Grant Ashan scored yep, um, trying to trying to get the assist is really what I mostly try to focus on here schedule and Wisconsin box score here we go uh so yes uh like you mentioned Grant Kirkshank opening the scoring Micah Miller uh with an assist there there's a guy that uh, he took a penalty last night but again it's so vital on special teams especially on the PK what, he's, what, he's probably the most underrated college hockey forward out there. In he's terms so of, fast, man. In terms of his hockey IQ is there. I think the only thing that hurts him is it just he just hasn't had the like the shall I say the eye jumping production that maybe a lot of you know people casual fans look for. But he does a lot of things, the small things. He does a lot of those so well. And eventually, I mean, what he was in, he was in some camp this last off season. I forget where. Um, so he did get a look with some NHL squads. Um, so I know he's on the other people's radar. So I, I think he will get an opportunity post St. Cloud. But yeah, just again, such an underappreciated part, at least from maybe the fans perspective. Uh, I know Brett Larson lauds him up and down um, yeah. with every situation that he has. Yeah, certainly. Grant Kershank had an assist on Grant Ashan. So a couple of grants uh, coming together for that shorthanded tally. Oh, I forgot about this that, one. So is that mission granted? Yeah, apparently so. I, I, I was not a part of that. I know that for a fact. Uh, I, I forgot about this. Is the one I forgot about Cooper Wiley uh, yep, in the second Wiley period. First, yep. yep, from Jack Peart and Yami Carlo. Jack Peart actually really impressed me a little bit this weekend too, because he was a player that, again, he's a smooth skating defenseman. Took a little bit of punishment this weekend and was able to look no worse for the wear. And I think that that's something that, you know, we've talked about this with former guests on the show, especially defensemen learning how to kind of shrug off those battles in the corner and adjust to the game a little bit here. And I think, you know, being able to handle that physical contact, you're not going to go in the corner every night and be able to pick your way cleanly out of the zone. You're going to have contact. Sometimes you've got to take a beating. You have to be strong in front of the net, quite obviously. Uh, 
I'm glad you brought that up because if there's one big difference in his game was from freshman year, you could see he was trying to avoid the contact yeah. um, 100% and just, he wanted that clean open ice right now. It's he's embracing the contact and then just being smarter about how do I battle my way through that contact and make the play, whether it's with his feet or what they pass uh, just much better. Uh, because again, you don't have that time and space that you're used to at, you know, different levels. Again, he's only a, a sophomore, a true sophomore. Right. And uh, this is a, a, a needed, I think, development to his game. And to your point, uh, that's going to be a, a big translator because that's going to be something we see later down in the spring. That's going to be yeah. really important battling through those physical uh, side of the game, especially in the defensive zone. Yeah, it certainly will. Um, actually, Jack Rogers getting his first point of the season. And as a Husky, Grant Ashan with an assist on Dylan Anhorn's goal, as well as Spencer Meyer on the power play from Zach Okabe and Yami Cranola. No surprise on that one um, to pull away in that victory. Uh, Jackson, Jackson Caster uh, gets the call on night number one. Look no worse for wear. Uh, Dominic Bassey in night number two certainly looked fine. Stopped 19 of 20 on the night. So, you know, Nick, we talked about Brett Larson's willingness, shall we say, mm-hmm. to be able to go to a one-two goaltending tandem. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to him. It looks like he's going to roll with uh, a Friday night and a Saturday night guy, at least for now, because both guys are playing pretty well. And and again, we talked about how, you know, going back to the game in Quinnipiac, right, and how tough of a situation that is for any backup goaltender when you just haven't seen the ice a lot, right? I think... There's a lesson learned there. Now, granted, you know, could he easily stick with one of these guys and probably be just fine? Sure. Uh, but I, but you kind of wonder, too, if uh, the hot hand is there. You know, do you, does he ever go back to a single goal? He might, but I think early on you're going to see this uh, this one-two Friday-Saturday uh, rotation in the, in the net, and I think it will pay dividends down the road for the Huskies. Um, and, you know, dare I say, and, and, and he talked about this with Mick Hatton on the re- recent Rink Live podcast recording, um, same things that we've lauded to, how close Jim Gray is uh, to the other two. And so you, you talk about the depth um, at essentially every position, but especially goaltending, if there is, uh, shall we say, an injury or something that, you know, forces his hand, he, he's got guys he can pull up and, and insert yeah. in the lineup and, and, and perform just fine. Are we, are we calling him Jim? Are we allowed to call him Jim? Is that, I don't know. Are we? Yeah. Of course, again, the, our, our hilarious interpretation, of course, there is a James gray who got our start at KVSC yes. who likes to go by Jim. And then you have James gray, the hockey player. So uh, yes. a little bit confusing for us sometimes as well, but uh, Jim James doesn't matter if he keeps the puck out of the net, I'll be happy. I'll call him whatever I, uh, Around this time, normally during the regular season when conference play starts, we will also do uh, the NCAC standings at this point. Don't have those right now because we haven't played conference games. So what's on tap for everybody here? A couple weeks before those start. Yep. Yeah. uh, What's on tap here for the NCAC teams? Western Michigan will travel for a Thursday-Saturday matchup against Notre Dame. Keep an eye on that one. It's a bizarre schedule. (laughs) Yeah. um, Western Michigan and bizarre schedules? Who's to say? Um, North Dakota. Uh, they've got some team, I don't know, St. Paul, Minneapolis area, the Minnesota. You heard of them? I, who? Yeah. I don't know. Apparently they're playing each other. Apparently they're rivals or something. I don't know. Uh, that one is at 3M Arena in Mariucci. Uh, Miami uh, will travel to Canisius. Miami, curious to see how they handle Canisius. And really, they have gotten off to a pretty decent start this year. They have, uh, yes. <clears throat> Providence uh, will 
visit Denver next weekend. Denver really could use a bounce back weekend. I think this will uh, be a bounce back weekend for them for sure. Uh, you would think uh, crazier things have happened. The NCAC did True. not have a great run uh, this past week. Uh, Wisconsin will travel to Duluth. Both games are in Duluth verified mm-hmm. and checked on that one. Uh, Colorado college will travel actually down to Arizona state and play in that building. So I, uh, that'll AS- be a good test for him. Yeah. Another test on the road. Alaska Fairbanks will travel Friday, Sunday, uh, to Omaha, very weird schedule again. Um, and then St. Cloud State will travel to Mankato to face the Mavs. So, um, Nick, this is actually, I believe that's at home. I think I lied. I think that's at home, right? For St. Cloud? Yeah, because they played in Mankato last year. So I think it's at home this year. I believe it is at home. Let uh, me double check, check, check. It's, yes, at home. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the only one that I have flipped because St. Cloud is uh, listed differently on my sheet. Let's preview that very quickly here, Nick. Um, St. Cloud State, you look at Mankato, the comparison to Duluth. What are your keys to St. Cloud uh, to come out with a victory? What do you expect from Mankato? you got to be ready to do physical battle. Um, that's just it. Uh, I think the Mavs got their wake-up call early. Um, they have definitely responded. Um, and then just ask Duluth, right, what uh, what they can do when, when Mankato has got a lead, right? That's that's where they like to play from, for so for St. Cloud. Uh, I think just simple hockey, right? I think you just kind of have to work the puck below the goal line. I think you do have to wear down um, their defensive core, which is easier than done. They've got some really good guys in the back stand, Livingstone, Akito Hiroshi. They got some guys who can really move and really be physical and up presence in front of the net. Uh, they do have some young goaltending um, that you can maybe test a little bit. Um, so again, in the user speed, I think that's going to be the key. And then just make sure structurally um, you're limiting Mankato's chances, which... <sighs> Should, should I say this? I don't know if this is appropriate. No, I, I do think that the numbers are skewed a bit for Mankato uh, this last year, uh, this last weekend. Well, um, you, you're certainly not going to outshoot an opponent by 23. No, a yeah. Hockey game. yeah. Not, and I'm not trying to say that six goals is um, out of reach for Mankato, but it's not their identity. We'll put it to you that yeah, way. Yeah, they're, um, they're mostly a team that plays uh, tight scoring games, three to yes. two, four to two, three to one. Uh, so that's more their identity. And again, we talked about, you know, I know Alex Micheletti obviously is lauding Alex Tracy and his weekend mm-hmm. that he had, which obviously was very good, but really wasn't really tested on Friday night. Wasn't, uh, no. You know, so something to just kind of keep an eye on there. So we would also normally do pairwise changes or anything that we think is going to change at this point in the show. Don't really have any information for that right now. Update you when we will. WCHA women, uh, flipping over to them now. St. Thomas uh, hosted uh, Franklin Pierce. Uh, this was a non-conference game. Uh, St. Thomas winning in night number one, three to two, and then dropping the second night two to one there. So uh, kind of a tough one for them. Minnesota, um, home and home versus Mankato. No real contest here. Uh, boy, this Gophers team is good this year, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. 11 to nothing in night number one, nine to four in night number two, both going the way of the Gophers. Ohio State at Bemidji State. This was a Saturday Sunday matchup, so we only have Saturday scores. OSU, a four to nothing victory for them. Game two will be at two o'clock today on Sunday, probably around the time that this show probably comes out, somewhere around there. Uh, and then St. Cloud, uh, they hosted Wisconsin at the Herbrooks mm-hmm. National Hockey Center. A five to nothing victory in night number one, and for Wisconsin, and then three to two, Wisconsin clawing their way back from two goals down, uh, game tying goal with just over a minute to play, and then overtime victory uh, for the Badgers. What a great effort from St. Cloud, Nick. You were there, yes. Uh, you were I'm... calling some hockey there. Friday night, you know, kind of a tough shot disparity, but 
Saturday night, man, St. Cloud seems to, when you have good teams come to town, especially on Saturday, they seem to find a way. And boy, they almost knocked off one of the best teams in the country. I'll even say this, even on Friday, um, if you weren't watching that game, the scoreboard is not indicative to how that game actually was played. Right. Um, uh, calling that game incredibly impressive at the defensive structure for St. Cloud. You kept one of the best power plays in the nation old for four on the entire night. You kept them off the board and they didn't really have even that many grade eight chances. Um, the sticks and lanes were perfect. Bodies and shooting lanes were really, really good. Um, they collapsed when they needed to. They followed the play. They kept everything to the outside and it, Three out of the five goals that were scored, I mean, they were just perfect bar down off the post through screen, through traffic. Yeah. Um, hard for JoJo Choback really to default her on a lot of those goals. I mean, and if you're St. Cloud, there's one positive thing that I talked to um, Idolski um, after um, Friday's game for a little bit is uh, he, he, he lauded the execution. Uh, he still said that there could be some improvements, but uh, you know he was doing some line shuffling too throughout Friday. He really did feel like he could with the uh, the last change at home that he was trying to. I, I know he was double shifting Taylor Lynn, uh, moving up Mackenzie Borgery a couple of different times, um, as well as uh, is it um, Emma Gentry? He was uh, yeah. pairing her up a little bit times, being double shifted with I believe Yanina Newland and uh, who am I missing on that line? Taylor Lind, yes. So yeah. um, he, he's he was pulling out some mega tricks now. Is it still disappointing though the score? Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, <clears throat> Huskies were gassed at the end of this game. Uh, they just defended way too much. It's hard, right? Because I asked um, Idolski, how can you transition, you know, and, and defend not as much? And he just kind of looked, he goes, well, you know, it, it's a tough task when you're up against a team that's can roll four lines and roll four lines the entire night. Because, you know, if anything, we just got to be a little bit better at uh, trying to make them work for their offensive chances, maybe stepping up at the blue line a little bit, which I think they still did pretty well. Uh, but again, you know, if you're going to be beat on the ways that they, they were just pure skill shots, I mean, there was yeah. nothing easy that came to Wisconsin. So if there's a lot of positives this weekend, yes, you you still continue your, uh, un, you know, unwin, your, your winless streak against Wisconsin. But I'll tell you, the last couple of uh, these last two games, very impressive of the way St. Cloud was able to fight and uh, and to try to make uh, Wisconsin earn every bit of uh, of offense that they got. So it, it's still um, there's still some work to be done there. But I, I think if you were there watching the game, I think you should be as Oski fan impressed at how you we really did give Wisconsin uh, a run for your money. Yeah, definitely. Jojo Cho back on that Friday night had 45 saves on 50 shots. Um, someone has mentioned about, oh, maybe the save record will be broken. I believe the save record is like 50 or 51 from Emma Paluzny up in Duluth mm -hmm. a couple of years Correct. ago, I think. Yep. Um, uh, minus eight in the faceoff differential, 58 faceoffs in night number one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, um, and it was very even um, through the first 40 minutes. I mean, it was uh, just, I think, at the end of the two, it was one extra faceoff, one for Wisconsin over St. Cloud. And uh, granted, Wisconsin came into that contest, I think, over 65 or 68% in the faceoff. That's a good that's yeah. a good team in the faceoff. And keeping it even, I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah, it's possession. 15 blocks for the Huskies in night number one, night number two, uh, minus five in the faceoff differential, 53 total draws in that game, 16 blocks for the Huskies and Sonia Hola, like you mentioned, 42 saves in that contest in the overtime loss. Uh, 
as far as the box score is concerned, we actually had some points for the Huskies opening two goals. You need a new one with both uh, Avery Myers, Grace Wolf with assists on the first one, Dale Ross and Avery Myers again, assists on the second one as well. So mm-hmm. fortunately no surprise on the power play, Britta curl uh, getting the job done. She's uh, nasty, yeah, nasty form- release former uh, U.S. Olympian and, of course, North Dakota native. Let's not forget that. Uh, and then Casey O'Brien, the dagger with a minute and one seconds left to yep. send us to overtime. Uh, Carolyn Harvey and Jesse Comfer assists on both of those uh, goals. And then Carolyn Harvey, uh, no surprise there for her OT winner from Jesse Comfer, who had a essentially a natural playmaker in that game, and Eden Lacey, the other point there. So, But, Nick, you know, recapping that game, I want you to do that because the Saturday night one, I think everyone – paid attention to a little bit more because of the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but then if you're St. Cloud, I mean, what's your big takeaway from this weekend after a, a heartbreaker, really? So I asked Idolski if he feels like they've made strides and he goes, yes, yes. Um, there's still some things that he wants to tighten up, but you can hang with these squads. Um, you know, and again, it's, it wasn't, I think in years past, you would look at Saturday and go, okay, they, they was lucky that they were in this game. Wisconsin right. was on an off night. Right. No, not this is not the case anymore. Um, they are playing a system where from Friday to Saturday, they were uh, still opportunistic offensively, but defensively um, much, much better. Um, you you right. really are making your opponents work for their chances. Um, and we talked about this, uh, the first game and the first weekends I called and just how I thought so much better structurally uh, this team looked, even from the opening draw. Mind you, that's, that's quite the job to the coaching staff uh, to be able to uh, transform a team that I feel like when the puck was on their stick, and I've said this before, just didn't feel like they knew what their options were. Now they look more competent. They look more confident um, with, you know, what options they have, you know, using the space in front of them, so not being afraid to use your feet. Um, so there's a lot of steps that they've already taken in this young season. Yes, you're not getting the results on paper that you're wanting to, but you're trending in a very positive direction. So if the takeaway is if we continue to grow, dare I say it, Late in the later in this uh, season, come closer to LBCHA playoff times, we have a chance, and I do yeah. think that that is not out of the question this year. I really don't. I, I think there's there's a lot to be said here for this Husky. There's a lot still yet to be achieved, and they're seeing it's very high this year. I really do feel that way. Yeah, I think if you're saying about a successful season, would be in that four or five spot. If you could get into that four spot, I think would be a very successful year for this group. Uh, standings looking a little bit different on the WCHA website. There are, are having some hiccups. So here are the correct ones here for you. Ohio state is in first five and oh on the season, 15 points, uh, Minnesota, the Gophers in second with 12 points at four and oh, just one less game played for them. Uh, Wisconsin also four and oh, but at 11 points. Cause of course they dropped that extra winner's point because of the overtime finish last night. Uh, Duluth in fourth uh, with five points at two and oh, St. Cloud is in fifth with one point. They are 0-4, um, but they had the tiebreaker against Mankato, also with an overtime point, but they are 0-6. So Huskies in fifth right now. And then St. Thomas, 0-2, and last is Bemidji at 0-3, both of those with zero points respectively. So keeping an eye on that one, what's on tap in the WCHA, St. Thomas uh, will travel to Minnesota State Thursday and Friday, a home-and-home for them. Uh, and then Bemidji State will have a Thursday-Friday matchup as well in Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of a weird schedule around the college hockey world this week, men's and women's, by the way. Uh, 
Duluth will visit Ohio State. Curious to see how that one goes. And then the Minnesota Golden Gophers, a home-and-home against the St. Cloud State Huskies. So something to definitely keep an eye on. This Gophers team is really good. So another really tough test. If you're St. Cloud, you've got Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then the Gophers to open up your conference play. That's that's a tough draw. Um, It is tough, Noah, but I think if you're looking at this from a new coaching staff in, in trying to pick up ways to battle through your tough opponents. I think you kind of want it this way a little bit. I think you do want to be able to go back to film and say, Hey, you know, this is what the good teams do and capitalize on certain, you know, situations in game. Um, but here also some positives, right. You know, for our penalty kill, they kept Wisconsin off the board um, yeah. in the entire first game, right. That's again, I've said it before. That's no easy task. That Badgers team is super talented uh, and they just simply, Uh, between blocking shots and then sticks in lanes. I mean, there wasn't clean looks. So um, I think you want to be able to build off of something like this. And granted, yes, it may not look good as far as the wins loss is concerned, but I think it is going to help long-term in building what you're trying to be as your new identity for this was uh, for the St. Cloud State Husky program. And so at the end of it, it's going to force you to continue to get better both as a player um, individually, but also, you know, structurally too. I think it's going to force a, a steeper learning curve. So I think there's only positives that come out of this early uh, gauntlet of a stretch here for St. Cloud. First game on that Friday is actually homecoming um, and St. Cloud will be hosting Minnesota before heading down to Ritter arena on Saturday. So definitely keep an eye, go out and support the Huskies. They can definitely use it. Pretty good hockey team this year, uh, really trending yeah, in the right direction. Safe. So they are. super excited for them. I, uh, Our goal really moving forward is to keep the college hockey and Minnesota wild stuff to under the one hour mark. Again, it's a lot trying to trying to encompass all of college hockey. I think we're going to have less signings and information in the weekly roundup. So it's going to help kind of condense that a little bit. So we're going to try to go as quick as we can. Our last main topic in the main part of the show, Minnesota wild. Uh, Yeah. Chaotic to say the least to start their season. Um, One end of the ice. (laughs) Yeah. Allowing 14 goals in the first two games. I, Second night, would have liked to seen them at least get a point against the Kings. Kind of a wild shootout uh, last night on Saturday. Nick, uh, the goal allowed the fourth goal of the game. Marc-Andre Fleury uncontested from Alex Iafalo. That's a really tough one to see that one go in the back of the net. Uh, You know, and a lot of people have talked about the Marc-Andre Fleury, Cam Talbot situation. Bill Guerin's made the wrong move. I actually thought Philip Gustafson, when he came in, looked pretty good, though, in relief. I... This wild team, uncharacteristically, as Michael Russo said, is bleeding goals. And yes, that is that is not akin to what we see. I I would say the positive that I would take from this, because you're always trying to take a positive from stuff, especially when you're struggling out of the gate. The wild's offense has not been bone dry this season. No, they've been productive. What is the deal here, though? And how the heck can the wild turn the other part of that scoreboard back down. Oh boy. Um, first of all, not go behind the net weak side when the puck is going away from you. Yeah, that uh, was bad. That was for those uh, playing the home game. Uh, I was in attendance for game one uh, against the New York Rangers, a very good Ranger team, right? Yeah. Um, and it was the third goal that uh, was scored. I'm trying to remember who got that. Oh, that was our, that was Panarin. Yes. And it's like 11 seconds left. Effectively, the Rangers are coming off of a change. Um, And as a defenseman on the weak side, I mean, it's, it's no man's land to go behind the net there, especially when the play is moving a away from you. 
yeah. two, you, he can't hurt you going the opposite corner. And the three, the most dangerous sites you need to protect is in front of your own net. So uh, what ended up happening was then Marco Rossi, a young center, still trying to acclimate the defensive side. He got, he kind of got cut puck, uh, caught puck watching, say that three times fast. Um <laughs> And then, uh, you know, from Panarin, you know, and Panarin's got all of the open ice and he's not going to make a mistake there. So it just seems to me, Noah, that there's just a lot of fundamental mistakes. They're, they're not sticking to structure. It seems like there's, and was it Zuccarello said it, Russo said it, they're just running around. Yeah. It, just, it, just, it just doesn't feel like in the defensive zone, they're playing as a cohesive unit. And we talked about this with Flurry, and how defensive structures, when they break down, when you have an all or nothing goaltender, that kind of tendency, then you start to overplay yourself as a goaltender as well. So it does become a domino effect. And so the, the reality is that that's the most concerning part of this is you, you looked okay all training camp. So then what the hell has happened yeah. to break apart, you know, what really hasn't supposedly any sort of structural changes uh, to the wilds game, but it looks like that you are, not a veteran laden defensive core or have veterans forward wise help out defensively. It looks like to be the, just the opposite that there's a bunch of inexperienced players back there. And it's, it's very concerning. Yes. Because you can see how quickly things can go South, uh, especially in game number two, where you're trying to claw your way back forth and uh, yeah, the offense is there, but you got to be able to stop the other team scoring. So it's, yeah. it's not good. Yeah, only four players in the wild that have a positive rating in the plus-minus column. It's Matt Boldy leading the charge at plus three, Sam Steele mm-hmm. and Freddie Gaudreau at plus two, and Jacob Middleton at plus one. Uh, Nick, any idea who the bottom three players are in plus-minus on this team? I know one for sure is Jonas Brodin. Uh-uh. It's not. He had a really tough night. Uh, uh, Matt really... Zuccarello, Kirill Kaprizov, and Ryan Hartman are all minus five. Okay. Um, and think about this, Nick. Zuccarello has four points. Kaprizov has three points. Hartman has one. So think about that. Zuccarello and Kaprizov are minus five. Granted, you have power play tallies in there, obviously, but yeah. Not, not um, counted towards, you know, yeah. plus minus two, but yeah, uh, not, not great. Not good. Yeah. And that's, and that goes back to that conversation, right? Is you have to be able to play a 200 foot game. And yeah. according to the, the, the crappiest indication of that with plus minus, it doesn't, tell you the whole story but it can give you a glimpse is that line is certainly not taking care of the the back end uh, of the ice very well at all and that's that's concerning philip gustafson has 17 saves on 20 shots a 4.7 goals against average and an 8.5 save percentage mark andre fleury has a lot or stopped 38 of 49 goals against of an 8.37 and a save Oof. percentage of a 776 um Oh boy. So yeah, in 80 minutes, 79 minutes of hockey. Uh, so yeah, something to definitely keep an eye on. And a lot of people have mentioned, you know, oh, how can you blame Flurry? It's not his fault. It's the team in front of him. Other people are saying, you know, oh, Flurry's got to make the saves. There's a bit uh, of both there. It's definitely a bit of both. Flurry's got to be better. Um, you know, like I said, that fourth goal against Alex follow. I mean, I know people make mistakes, I know it's not perfect. You right. gotta, you gotta have that safe. I that mean, one's, you, that one's one he's gotta have. You and, have to. You, there's something you have to have. And if you're the wild, you can't be allowing. In fact, I wonder if we have. Let me see if I can find the schedule here. I would love to see uh, the shot totals in, in that matchup uh, that we just had against LA yesterday. So let's see if we can find it here. Box score. Um, box. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
if I can find the shots, that'll be a question mark. But nonetheless, oh, shots on goal. Here we go. Uh, 35 to 34 actually in favor of Minnesota in that contest. So actually shot margin, pretty comparable, pretty tightly contested hockey game in a very weird, odd way. Um, very much so. Yeah. However, however, that. <laughs> However, that is supposed to work. And then on the first night, of course, the Rangers won seven to three in case we didn't mention that um, box score shots on goal total was actually 36 to 35 in favor of the Minnesota wild again. Mm-hmm. So they're generating chances. They're generating opportunities, but you know, if you're Minnesota here again, we've asked this with the college teams. What's your big takeaway as you head into this week? Yeah. Well, I, I think Dean Evison said it, best is like we have well i'll rephrase it but i'll basically pull our heads out of our ass in the defensive zone honestly i mean there's really and that's the thing it's it's there's no indication that they've done or made any sort of changes to the way they want to play defensively right um and even then if you're doing that you don't give up seven goals back-to-back games um there is it sounds like the effort was better in in game number two as opposed to game one game one was definitely some mental as well as physical laziness i'll I'll say that for sure um but now it's the iq side how do you play better work smarter not harder right and i think that's where you just got to break it down to be simple hockey be just you got to be smarter um and again the the one thing that is so hard to communicate noah is how fast the game actually is on the nhl sheet as from a player's perspective um it's no excuse, but it just kind of feels like the wild defensively are like two steps behind of the play. It really does. Yeah. Um, and they're just, they're making bad reads. They're being f- pulled and funneled on a position. Yeah. Um, just over committing. I think is yeah. the big thing because we've talked about this penalty kills that struggle and defenses that struggle. It's because you're, you're too gung ho to try to go to the perimeter and make plays and not to say yep. you shouldn't win foot races or create battles there. But again, when you're leaving opportunities in the middle of the ice, I think it just doesn't really bode well here. So, no, it's, um, and I get it, right? You're trying to funnel pucks into the areas where you can create a turnover and then transition north to offensive hockey, right? But, um, you know, it's, I think what has to be added to that, Noah, is it takes one person out of your five to break down the entire defensive structure, right? And that is one person over commits. And then you're going to have one, if not two players, maybe try to compensate for the open ice that's in front. Uh, and then people, other people have to adjust and it becomes a snowball very, very fast. Yeah. And I was about to get Matt Dumba some shit, but then I just realized he's actually has one of the best plus minuses on this team. So it's really not one guy that you're, or, it's or, not, or, no, you know, it's just unfortunate. Uh, and both things can be true, yeah. right? No, both things can be true where uh, Dumba has had, you know, the, the play we talked about a, a bad play, a bad read. Um, yeah. No question. But it's also true that that was one play. Yeah. It's also, you know, so. Yeah. So as far as the standings are concerned, yes, we're starting this early because, yes, there's actually standings. So uh, we're going through it. Dallas leads the charge in the Central Division at four points. Nashville in second, same number of points for them. Two less games played. Uh, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Colorado in three, four, five, all with two points. Chicago, uh, one more game played than the Wild in sixth, also with two points. Minnesota in seventh, only beating Arizona because of goal differential, minus five and minus seven, respectively. So the Wild really looking for a rebound as we head into the upcoming week here. Who do they have? Monday, they've got Colorado uh, at home. Thursday at home versus Vancouver. And then Saturday, they travel to Boston to start, I believe, a four-game road swing there. So. Yep. Uh, to wrap up the main portion of the show here, Nick, Minnesota Wild, what do they got to do this week to right the ship here? 
Uh, hunker down. I, I really think you've got to focus on defensive hockey. I mean, it sounds obvious, but if that means sacrificing a bit, maybe um, an offense a little bit just to try to get the defensive game going, I think you have to do that. That's really got to be a focus this week. Um, and so again, it, sorry, if, you, if you're the Minnesota Wild, I guess uh, having a little bit of fun with golden light here from one golden light to 10 golden lights on that scale, uh, how much concern do you have for this team right now? How many golden lights are you putting down eight. here? Eight. eight okay yeah it's it's concerning because again it's it, we've talked about this before right it's sometimes you lose a game but you're playing the right way and it's like you just didn't get the bounces why i'm concerned is that it's obvious they're not playing the game the right way and yes it's two games if there's any sort of not golden light there which is good yeah. is that it is a two game sample size but the performance defensively has been consistent for those two games and it's been porous to say the the least yeah certainly has and i think uh if you're minnesota like you mentioned it it hurts that it's the first two games because there's this hyper focus on it it's the Mm -hmm. middle of the season maybe a little bit different but as we've seen with minnesota wild hockey let's see how the next week goes and then we'll talk about it and reconvene that will do it for the main portion of the show we're going to head on to our extra ice session where we're going to talk all things related to junior hockey and related to the nhl And welcome into the Extra Ice Session, episode one, triple, triple here. Um, the triple threat, minus one here, Nick Maxson and myself, Noah Grant. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, apparently, other people think that too as well. Well, let's talk about this here, Nick. Um, somehow, um, I got tagged by Spit and Chicklets last week, and somehow... I literally recorded and posted posted a video for a null game that I wasn't even a part of uh, between the Bismarck Bobcats and the St. Cloud Norsemen that kind of went viral here. Mm-hmm. Um, really, essentially, for those who haven't gotten to, to see it, it, it is on pinned on my Twitter page at SCSU Hockey 91. Um, basically, essentially, Jake Hazu for St. Cloud um, coming up to Adam Pedela and cross-checking him in the side of the head, starting an absolute... Right off the face-off. Yeah, Donnybrook um, down there at the VFW Center in Bismarck. And that's not really what we're here to talk about. Um, That was my one little moment of fame, and it didn't last very long. But uh, (laughs) with that being said, part 7043 about fighting and fighting in the null versus the NHL. Now, for those who don't know, in that league, um, you can actually fight... But the penalty is pretty extensive. It's a 15 minute mm-hmm. penalty. So you get the five minute major and then you get the 10 minute, 10 minute misconduct. misconduct. And half the time, if you know, half the time guys are sent to the locker room anyway after fights. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you have more than one, generally you're kind of, you're probably gone at that point. Um, so the real discussion that we're having is, you know, how do we really quantify fighting in junior hockey versus the national hockey league? Cause they're two separate things. And completely separate things. Right. And we've talked about fighting in the game of hockey. Now, I think as far as the null is concerned, Mm -hmm. never been a fan of fights unless something absolutely outrageous happens. Nick, that game against the VFW at the VFW center was what I would define as outrageous. That is, that is a moment where if I'm a player, uh, it's hard to not have a similar reaction. And, we talk, let's start with this. We talk about premeditation. Yes. And we talk about, you know, the intent to go in with a fight or is the fight the product of the actions on the ice? How did you see this situation unfolding from when you watched the video? I think 
we'll start with this, right? And I, I think we need to preface this because I know this has divided our listener base quite a bit, right? Yeah. Is are we advocating for fighting? No, no, no. Uh, I think what we are trying to explain is the why, why this is happening, you know, and it's, it is a tricky puzzle to explain. Um, but I think that's the important part is that we're not saying that we approve or we encourage it. Actually, we, I, I think we're both in the same age that we don't, especially, yeah. right? I don't, but, I don't know a single hockey player that wakes up, especially in today's age, that wakes up and goes, God, I really hope I fight somebody today. Right. People, like, like, like hockey players don't think like that. We no. don't think, gosh, I would love to fight somebody. It's just right. It's, yeah. um, but I think there is some deeply rooted, um, things in the game of hockey that comes out more in the NHL level. We'll get to that later. Right. Um, but this, there's a premeditated. So to set the scene, right. You mentioned it, it's a face-off and the defenseman for the Norseman goes right into the forward. So what he doesn't even make a play for the puck. Right. And I think yeah. that's, I think that's the important part that has to be said is it wasn't like there was a hockey play being involved. It wasn't like, you know, it was, Incidental it's contact. Incidental contact. And, and you look at the video. I mean, he's got about three or four full starts. He's chomping at the bit. He is. Uh, this is coming off a media timeout, by the way. So, yes. Uh, so he goes in. He lays not one, not two, but multiple cross checks. Um, and this is where when you have a player, uh, if I'm on the ice and I'm with uh, Bismarck and I'm seeing my guy getting beat the hell of on the ice you're going to try to step up and defend right well here's what happens right is that well st cloud says oh no you're not going to go in and take my guy and then all of a sudden we've got people squaring up one-on-one -on -one, and this is where you get your donny book right um so it is the heinous cross checks that spark the fight yeah. because you have one side or one player that's trying to do whatever the hell he thinks he's accomplishing with um, the cheap shots, illegal shots. Let's let's make sure we make that clear. And then you have players that are trying to keep those two separate from one side. Others trying to go in and help and separate them on the other side. Yeah. And then what you get is, um, and, and I don't know if we touch on this enough, Noah, is that you have a specific age of young men that, shall we say, the the compete level and the uh, is high. We'll put it to you that way. And the emotions are high, right? Yeah. Um, it becomes a a cauldron of things to escalate quickly. Um, so the question I think that we're trying to answer from a fan's perspective is why does this continually happen? The answer isn't that fights happen. It's what premeditates the fight. Right. And that's you know, the difference. You know, right? and you mentioned that, Nick. Think about it this way. If Nick and I are going out to the bar, let's say. Um, we're hanging out. Let's say Nick comes down, comes to mind out here. We're hanging out in the bar after the game and some Aberdeen fan comes up and hits Nick over the head with a beer bottle. A lot of random. Yeah. Am I going to stand there and go, Oh, well that was interesting. Or am I going right. to probably jump in and try to make sure that Nick's going to be okay. Now Nick can probably handle himself. So I know maybe I'll just leave you there, but no, in, <laughs> in, in, in all, in all actuality, you're going to step into that situation. It's no different in the game of hockey. There mm -hmm. Now, let's compare that to Nick and I are at the bar again. Some guy comes up and bumps into Nick and says, hey, man, get out of my way. Well, I'm probably not going to walk over there and start beating the crap out of that guy. We're probably no. just going to walk away from the situation. That is the difference. And that's exactly what we're trying to explain is that, you know, 
there are some actions that it's like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe you tie up, you grab each other and just kind of like calm everything down. And then there's things that go so far over the line that it's like, whoa, hold on here. You know, the officials are not going to be able to police this enough to where it's going to calm down. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're kind of trying to, it's almost a form of protection. You're almost trying to defend yourself in some senses. And that's where I, I went back to the point Hockey players are not inclined to come in and just start beating the piss out of each other. They are doing it because they're concerned that something has happened that has disrupted the game so much that they feel something bad is really going to happen if we don't like stop it and nip it in the bud right now. And that's what kind of results out of that. And I, I really just, even at the NHL level, you look at guys and normally Donnie Brooks don't happen in the NHL. It's usually not, not to the point where it's, yeah, mm-hmm. especially not in today's game. And people say, oh, you know, fighting is in the game of hockey, blah, blah, whatever. Fights don't happen as much as you think they do. No, um, they don't. And on top of that, when you look at a fight, watch the other players around a fight, especially in the NHL. Let's say Marcus Foligno is squaring up against Ryan Reeves, right? Right. Game one for those, yeah. you know, playing the home game. Yeah. Where are the other four guys on, on each lineup? They're actually standing next to each other and, yep. you know, kind of having a conversation about it. Yep. Um, and I think this is the perfect time right now, Noah, to really put the wedge in the difference between the NHL and the null. And so this is a perfect setup. The null coaches players, there is no rhyme or reason, nor is it a thing that you're starting to fight to start a fight. Exactly. That's not what's happening. It's not 1984. No. And the end, and this is where the difference is, right? I think there are some people who look and and are miscalculating that this is a WWE. Someone ring the dinner bell and say, "Okay, just go out and do it because reasons." There's no reason for it, right? The game of hockey has evolved quite rapidly in front of yes. our eyes over the past 15 years, right? Um, and that's where, in the beginning of this segment, we said there's still some rooted, uh, shall we say, fights where shall we say there's a little bit of there's a purpose to it, but it's not to beat the crap, right? So let's take the Ryan Reeves and Marcus Foligno example. Marcus Foligno is in no way going to be in the same weight class in a boxing ring as Ryan Reeves is. Let's put it that way. Uh, Marcus Foligno thought that if I go and tussle with a much bigger man than me, it might spark an effort to get us back in the game. Now, again, let's make sure we rephrase a couple of things. Do we approve this? Not really. No. Do we think that it really works? Sometimes mm. it does, but it's not the same as it was 15 years ago where I, you know, there would be not just this one fight. There would be a response from another yeah. line. They, this one fight would spark multiple, right? You're not seeing that hockey has evolved, and this is what we like. It's become the skill game. This is why players such as Rocco Grimaldi, Johnny Goudreau, can have NHL careers because if they were in the league 15 years ago, there's no way they and would that, not be in the league. And that's where you mentioned, too, about, oh, you know, what about, you know, a couple of years ago, Matthew Chuck, Matt Dumba, where, you know, somebody's going over and trying to start a fight with somebody else. Again, ask yourself this question. What happened before? Yeah. Because even these, quote, premeditated fights are often the result of something that happened that was so over the line that either mm-hmm. the officials missed or your teammate had a detrimental effect against them because of that play. And and we get it. We get that not everybody is going to say, oh, 
you know, fighting is great in the game of hockey. There are times that we watch fights and we're like, what the hell was the point of that? You know, yeah. why did that happen? Um, even and more when, often than not, that's exactly the reaction. Yeah. I would say in 19 out of 20 times. Yep. And even when we're and even when we're playing the game, you know, it's like, let's not forget this. And for those who haven't gotten a chance to watch the documentary Ice Guardians would highly recommend because they detail this very well. But the very first ever organized hockey game ended in a fight, a full out Donnie, full, full out line ball. Um, I think we've kind of subdued things a little bit, but I also mentioned the point on Twitter. And of course, Johnny Mac was part of this too. And we love Johnny. So like, this is, this is nothing against him. I mean, we've heard this argument for years and it just happened to be a continuation. There's two things I want to point out. Um, number one, the, the argument is often brought up that while well, fighting causes injury, fighting causes these concussions, fighting causes all this, whatever you don't say. Yeah, actually, the concussions largely stem from open ice hits, from big hits where your body and the central part of your body is being thrown. Essentially, you have it's what's it's what's called usually coup contra coup, where your brain gets thrown in one way or another. If prime it's example, called whip, it's called whiplash. Prime yes. example, unfortunately, Josh Lidke. Yeah. For St. Cloud, uh, you know, yeah. having having that contact against the glass, having your body being spun around. That's what causes concussions. Fights usually don't end in that. Fights might end in bloody knuckles, a broken nose occasionally. But again, that's something you accept as a hockey player. And as a hockey player, that's a collision it, sport regardless. In, yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, and of course, the National Hockey League level, your face is largely unprotected in a lot of senses. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this too, Nick. And I like. I'm not offended by this, and I know you're not offended by this because we hear it all the time, but there's a fair amount of people on social media who say, you know, who we often mention, former players, us included, mm -hmm. would say, until you've been in the ring, until you've been in the batter's box, until you've been on the ice, you don't really know how it feels. You don't know how the emotional plane of a game feels. And the counter argument is that, oh, well, that's so weak. I'm watching the game. You know, how could you tell me what I would know? I'm watching the game. And my argument is this. If you have a doctor who's been practicing medicine for 25 years, come and tell you medical advice doesn't mean he's 100% right. But he probably has a pretty good gauge of how a hospital works and what he's talking about. And I would say it's the exact same in anything we do in life. I wouldn't tell a plumber how to do his job if I'm an electrician, right? And that's right. not to say that I can't be accurate. But Nick, is there an argument here as a former player? Again, we've talked about like, it's like some statistic, it's like 90 to 95% of former players, especially at the NHL level, want fighting still in the game. Why is that? Is there some merit to being a player and feeling this emotional plane that others haven't gotten to experience or, or is it all bogus? I think we need to take that a little bit deeper, right? And then in terms of, Fighting is the player's way to police the game. It's not something that they want to do. And I think what has to be rephrased is they just don't trust, nor should they, their referee crew to handle every aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, and I think people, let's go back to your example at the bar, because I think actually a lot of us could relate to that, right? It's really no different. The type of fighting that players now in today's game are really the are, what we're really talking about is a response fight. It's a it's a it's a defensive fight, really, in in the, in yeah. the same way where where the bartender is the official and isn't throwing out the drunk asshole who keeps causing problems. And that's the thing yeah. is, you're, and I think this. I'm glad you brought that up because the officiating crew is told to stay the hell out of the way because of their own personal risk to injury. Right yeah. now, linesmen in the NHL they try to jump in. 
at the almost opportune time, but they're not rushing in right away. Now, I know there's been a push lately from the linesmen in the NHL to get in there sooner. Uh, before again, it even starts. Before really. it even starts, yeah. right? Um, but it's not illegal to fight still in the NHL, right? It's yep. not technically illegal in all the fight, right? But it's not that players want to go out, like we said before, and start a fight for no reason. That's not what we're talking about. And that's, and I, I believe you ask any sort of hockey player, that's not at all what they would appreciate because they're like, there's no reason to do that. Right. What they want to be able to do is if they have a teammate that's being targeted, such as the way that your video portrays, yeah. Um, I think as a human being, there's an instinct that if you know, like your friend is being beat up at the bar, are you really going to sit there and tell me you're going to pull out your cell phone, pull out a video and stand in the corner and watch yeah, it play literally. out? No, it's no different in life in that situation than it is in a hockey player's instincts. The instincts is the same. At, that's and, a, that's a friend of mine. I'm going to go defend yep. him and try to actually de-escalate the situation if and, anything. And actually the difference actually might be that hockey fights, uh, quote unquote, are more classy. And what do I mean by that? Now this situation with the Norsemen and, and Bobcats and the Null is a pretty extreme example that I don't think yes. fits this, but most hockey fights, Ryan Reeves, Marcus Foligno, Ryan Reeves and Marcus Foligno actually probably have a ton of respect for each other. And a, and a and lot of, like- conversation before those right. dropped and that's where it's no different than let's say you've got your you're with your brother and you guys are roughhousing and you guys start to get into a bit of a tussle you fight it you make up you know and it's done you go into the house and you have mac and cheese for lunch right it's kind of that similar thing where you have something that you felt and it doesn't even have to be a whole team thing sometimes it's just a one-on-one battle between two guys and you felt something was over the line you're gonna handle it yourself you fight you get done with it after the game. It's all over. You, you have respect for each other. But in that moment, even if the guy was your best friend, you say, hey, dude, you crossed the line. I had to do something, you know, because no one else was going to be doing something here. You crossed the line. You need to know about that, that, uh, that that's not going to be tolerated if we're going to be on the same playing level, on the same ice sheet. You fight. The issue is recognized. Hey, maybe I can't go and spear that guy in the corner next time, for example. Mm-hmm. And then it's done. And the players have more respect for each other because fights generally, like I said, in a weird way are almost this sign of respect where it's like, it's an acknowledgement of a disagreement that can't be settled by the normal means of playing the game of hockey as other people have identified passing the puck, shooting, scoring, hitting, whatever it may be. And that's the way to settle it. It's, it's, well, let's say it this way. It's so hard to to explain if you haven't played but before. It, it's but, it, like, but it but it isn't. It isn't though, because at the end of it, dare I say, maybe we're kind of going a little bit over. I mean, we're kind of being like the wild. We're kind of over pursuing the the topic a little bit. Yeah, and I and I say that because I I really think it's that simple. Um, the simple explanation for those who are still with us, and we thank you again for listening to us. Is yeah, fighting in hockey is not something that is a it's a magic wand comes out of nothing. There's it's not something that doesn't ever have a purpose to it. Yeah. In the eighties. Sure. Yeah. It's not, it's not actively sought out. Right. It's it's a, it's a, it's a response. And again, it's, you know, should we go back to like when Crosby came to the league or Alex Ovechkin and he was getting 
uh, you know, targeted. And when I say targeted, I mean, he was being body checked and, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. How many teammates there went to that one guy and gave him a good ride or good body check? Or maybe, you know, there were some words. Here. And I think maybe that's part of what we're missing here, Noah, is there's a lot of conversation that's happening on the ice that yeah. we just don't hear. And this is where the experience in us playing is why if there's any part of this that people should listen to is this and that is, you know, hey, just on the bench is even TV timeouts, right? It's like, hey, uh, you know, keep away. If you keep running around, you know, you're gonna have to answer for it. Yeah. Wayne Wayne Gretzky, they said at Nice Guardians too, Wayne Gretzky never would have been the same player without a guy like Marty McSorley. True. You know, it's yeah. because you especially you have these good players where guys who are not as skilled, they take cheap shots at guys. Watch a star player, watch Kirill Kaprizov when especially when he's away from the puck, how many cheap shots he takes in the head, up high, slashes, hooks, whatever it may be. He gets targeted so much more than a guy like say maybe Tyson Physically. Jones, for example. Yeah. And, and it's and it partly it's because they're just they're like, I have no other way to slow him down or stop him. Yeah. That's really what it is. And you know, I would throw this out here to kind of wrap this up. You know, Nick. Here's the thing. Number one, most people go to the games for the fights anyway. So whether you like it or not, it's probably it's besides the goals, it's probably <laughs> uh, the most uh, exciting part of the game for a lot of people. Oh gosh. Number two, man, if you don't like fights, don't watch the National Hockey League because it's always been a part of the game. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but think about in other sports. The NBA, people punch each other all the time. Football, people get in fights all the time. It's just not a defined part of the rule book. And in some ways, mm -hmm. it's almost messier when it happens in those sports because it's the same exact thing. Something has crossed the line too far. Now you have this brouhaha going on, but there's nothing in the rule book to make it organized. So it's just a literal and sometimes well, a bloody mess. Like, let's, And let's end on this note. You have athletes who are in the top of the league of the entire world that are every single game, every shift matters, not only for their team's future, but also the individual futures, right? Yeah. Um, this is their money-making job. Um, let's put it to you this way. And are we advocating for fights? No. Are we, however, more understanding of the why it happens? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for folks who say, we'll get fighting out of the game, their NHL is making an effort and say the numbers have significantly dropped. Seriously. Yeah. And we are in favor of those. We're in favor of the skilled plays. We're in favor of Sonia Milano able to knock a puck out of midair from behind the net with Trevor Zeker. So again, 10 years ago, I think Milano was cross-checked heavily in the back. He never gets a stick on that. And Zegras uh, is probably getting finished behind the net too. Uh, yeah. So it's, there's and, progress and, the, and their job and health security is in jeopardy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's progress being made. Will you ever 100% eradicate fighting? Not only from the game of hockey, but from any competitive sport. No. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, let's, let's take the Donald, you know, and I think let's finish on this for hockey fans that know the name Donald Brashear, look up Donald Brashear's hit uh, from getting smoked in the face from a hockey stick. Yeah. Literally from, got Marty Mc, from Marty McSorley. From Marty McSorley. Yeah. Literally, you talk about the cheapest NHL shot that I can think of off the top of my head. Literally, like, was yeah. baseball batted and, yeah. you, you know, ended that, his career. That or Todd Bertuzzi. Yeah. Steve Moore. Yeah. Um, are you uh, – things like that are going to continue to happen. Um, for wild fans, how about – was it uh, Duncan Keith on Charlie Coyle, the one-handed turnaround stick to Slash. the face? Yep. Broke right. Nose. Yep. So fights are going to are going to happen. 
but they're not happy in the way that you think they're in responses to stuff like this, especially, where... especially at the junior level and below the national yes. hockey league is one thing we definitely, I would say below the NHL, AHL, and probably the ECHL and whatever professional leagues are in Europe would not advocate for it. Even then, even in the null, no, I think it's unnecessary. And it's just you know, penalties, but, right? Because, but I also think let's say fighting is not allowed in the null at all. If that event happened between the Norsemen and Bobcats the exact same way, the difference is guys are ejected. Result is the exact same. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. Because yeah. that event was so over the line that you have a need, a physiological need to defend yourself almost. Yes. You know, it's human so, instinct. So anyway. It is. Uh, but speaking of human instinct, what do we have on tap here for our show? Like we mentioned, Sunday recording coming up next week as well. Men's hockey this weekend will face the man Cato Mavericks. And then Minnesota will be home and home versus the women's hockey team, the Minnesota Wild. Three games on the docket, Monday versus Colorado, Thursday versus Vancouver, and Saturday in Boston against the Bruins there for their first road swing of the season. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! No, Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.